Freitag. We have a list on our website, warrocketajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I, is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, They also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for November 2022. And yes, yes, haha. 
it's November. It sure is November. I got the joke out of the way. My name is Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims is here with me too. Hello. Chris has a sexy voice because he's had some cold symptoms. I mean, I mean, I feel like I have more than symptoms, Matt. I've had a cold. Yes. Okay. I didn't know how to put it exactly, but I had cold-like symptoms that were the result of having a cold. This this is why this special is a little bit later than it typically would be, yeah. and also why it's almost definitely not edited at all. Yeah, because which sucks I'm because I am still coughing. And in order to prevent the coughing, I am taking a little sip of the potion. Let me get that right in your ears here. See, mm. you had to hear it. You yeah, had to good. hear it because... We're running a little behind, and I want to get this to you as quickly as possible. So, if you hear a cat meow, or a dog bark, or a pause that lasts for a while, or some stammering, that's just my commitment to getting this to you as close to November as possible. Or one of our one of our famously edgy bits. Mm, yeah. When we're doing an anti-podcast... Anytime we do anything that is bad podcasting, that's just, it's like anti-comedy. It's anti-podcasting. Matt, I think that might be what we've been doing for 12 years. (laughs) And maybe we should stop. Maybe we should try podcasting at some point. Some people seem very successful with it. We'll get there one of these days. Uh, Can I I tell you what happened before before we jump in? Love a story. Before we rank stories, telling a story. Yeah, why don't you rank rank this story, slap nuts? Wow, Jeff Jarrett. A little Jeff Jarrett impression uh, that you have to leave in there now. Because I know <laughs> I that would get cut out. <laughs> uh, so I got. I woke up on Thanksgiving, uh, and uh, I was sniffly. And a little bit sneezy, but I otherwise felt fine. And I assumed no more dwarves. What? Oh, I get, I get it, I get it. That's very funny. That's IP, though, Matt. That's not public domain. That's true. That's IP. That's true. (laughs) I want, I want, I want uh, Uncle Uncle Bob coming down on me. That's Uh, fair. Please continue. But we were going to have people over for Thanksgiving. I did a. Uh, a COVID test just to make sure. Cause I was like, man, I am kind of like, you know, sniffling a lot. Uh, but I, I took the COVID test, came back negative, uh, which was, was great. Um, and then we had people over and then like round, like late at night, as we were doing our annual watch of magic, Mike XXL, uh, just started really feeling it. And then the next day I was just out very bad cold that entire weekend. Yeah, uh, which sucked. Uh, but one of the reasons it sucked the most, I had tickets to see Batman sixty six in a movie theater on Friday night. I had like planned it. Like friend of the show uh, Nicholas Golden emailed me and he was like, "Hey, the Trilon Theater here in Minneapolis, they're doing Batman the movie on on like the the weekend after Thanksgiving." And I was so excited, and I didn't go because I felt terrible for the whole damn weekend. That is very disappointing. I'm sorry you had to miss that. Yeah, man. 
Yeah. Hopefully they'll do it again. I, I hopefully. So. Yeah. I, I hope you get to go see it soon. That's the only good I, Batman movie that I haven't seen in a theater. Yeah. I have a similar COVID story. It doesn't involve me getting sick. A similar COVID scare Thanksgiving story, though. Okay. Because we haven't talked about our Thanksgivings. We haven't recorded since then. I had dinner here at home with Marlene. We just had a Just Us Thanksgiving where we cooked enough food for 10 people. <laughs> Love it. We do that like Love every it. year. As you should. Yeah. You do. We you cooked a whole turkey. Four days. Yeah, we cooked a whole turkey, uh, a whole bunch of sides. I made two pies. We 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 did it. Did it up. So what's been what we've been doing for the past two years is we do Thanksgiving here. We make a bunch of food, and then the following day we go see my mom and bring her a bunch of leftovers and we eat lunch and we kind of do that Thanksgiving because my mom usually has like other plans with other people on the day uh, or she did last year and she did this year. And it, I don't know. It's like everything's kind of all over the place of doing like a big family Thanksgiving. So we go see my mom on the day after. So we did that. We took her food and ate lunch with her and then that night, that Friday night, my mom calls me and says, hey, uh, I'm so sorry. I just tested positive for COVID. Oh, <laughs> uh, bummer. <laughs> she was fine. She barely had any symptoms at all. But she was like warning us, you know, that we might get it too. And then we didn't. Like, it, we were okay, ultimately. But, uh, yeah, similar Thanksgiving COVID scare. Uh so, I feel you, bud, and uh, I'm glad you're f- on the upswing. Yeah, it's the cough is lingering, which is uh, which is why we did not record last week because it would have been nightmarish for all involved. Uh, but I'm I'm here to do this now. I've got my hot honey lemon water, uh, and I'm I'm ready to ready to rank some stories. Well, Chris, how about we? look at the state of the list as it currently stands. All right, Matt, I can do that. I can, I can do that with and for you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, We are currently sitting after years of this years at nearly 1400 stories. We have 1,397 stories on the list, all of which we have read, all of which represent minutes, hours of our lives. Think about that for a moment and join me in weeping. <laughs> Undoubtedly true. We have we have read all of these. Uh, number one on the list, of course. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number 31 through 33 from 1965. One of the best years in comics history. Uh, mathematically, I have the data to prove it. Uh, is uh, uh, Spider-Man, if this be my destiny, slash the final chapter, he lifts up a big heavy thing. Uh, it's really good. That's that's all. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, at the bottom of the list, number thirteen ninety seven is Identity Crisis by Brad Meltzer and Rags Morales. Uh, Identity Crisis numbers one through seven, published in two thousand five. Scientifically, the worst year in comics history. 
mid 2005 to 2006 the absolute fucking pits it's almost poetic that one of the best years if not the best year of comics is 1965 and then 40 years later in 2005 was the worst year in comics yeah things really went downhill it's it's like poetry it rhymes you now you might be asking yourself matt uh-huh. what is an what is an absolute median comic what's what's right in the middle what's right in the middle yeah uh and that would be uh would that be 698 or 699 if we have 1397 i think it would be it might be 697 no no i think it's 698 it would be 698 uh the, you know honestly a pretty like good because it is a top heavy list but i would say uh omega effect uh the crossover between the avenging spider-man daredevil and punisher that's kind of like that's kind of it right like that's a that's a, a solid hand yeah it's a good story because as we've said many many times it's a top heavy list yeah you got to get into those quad digits before things start to get bad Chris, our first list for this special comes from uh, Seth Finkelstein, who has for us a good comic, a a comic in relation to his last list, and a bottom shooter that may get him banned from the podcast. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Get ready. First, we have Heroes Reborn by Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, and various artists. So this is Heroes Reborn 2021? Is that uh, when that came out? Yeah, I think so. Yes, Heroes Reborn 2021. The miniseries in which Blade is the only Marvel superhero who remembers the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um... In classic War Rocket Ajax trademark style, I read the first couple issues of this, loved it, thought it was great, did not finish. Just 100%. lost track of it somehow. 100% and same. I, I also read a bunch of tie-ins to it, which were also really good. Yeah. I, I, would we include the tie-ins? I don't even know. But it was... A, the main series was seven issues long. Uh, there was also a Heroes Return one-shot. And then the tie-ins were American Knights, Hyperion and the Imperial Guard, Magneto and the Mutant Force, Marvel Double Action, Night Gwen, Peter Parker the Amazing Shutterbug, Siege Society, Squadron Savage, Young Squadron, and Weapon X and Final Fight. That sounds great. Yeah. Listeners, is this a catch-up candidate, and do we have to read all the tie-ins? Let us. A comics catch-up candidate. That's right. Let us know. Let us know if if it fits in that category. Uh, Next up is... Okay. This is an entry from the Super Dictionary. Okay. Now, I think, did we rank 40 cakes or not? I don't think we ranked 40 cakes, which, and that's terrible that we didn't do that. 
Well, I th- I think it's right because it's not a story. <laughs> the, okay, this is not this is not a story. Well, <sighs> see, here's the problem. It is the super dictionary definition of serious. There, there is action. There are there are events that occur, but I don't think they I don't think they're occurring in sequence. This is an illustration. That is what I would say that it is, despite the fact that it has dialogue and the implication of action. It is not a story. Yeah, what it is, if you haven't seen it, uh, and uh, judging by this URL, the version of it that you found, uh, I put up at some point. Uh, or, or someone at Comics Alliance. Or someone at Comics Alliance, yeah. Uh, this is uh, Batman ROFL. Rolling on the floor laughing. The perspective and of this drawing is something else. It's whack. <laughs> yeah. It's Batman's 12 feet tall. Or maybe Hal Jordan's little. Uh, or maybe Hal Jordan is really far away, and this room is an optical illusion. Maybe. I wish Hal Jordan was even further away, like not in this image, or in mm, yes. comic books. Uh, but uh, Batman is our OFL. He's, he's really LMAO. L-H-A-O. L-B-M-A-O. L-T-D-K-A-O. And Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, with dumb little costume, is sitting there and saying, Be serious, Batman. Stop joking and think about what you must do. This is a serious idea. This is an important idea. (laughs) Which is very funny. It is funny to think that Hal Jordan had an idea that was so stupid that Bruce Wayne... The notoriously grim, stone-faced Batman laughed so hard that he fell upon this hardwood floor. L-B-A-O. Yeah. But we don't know what the idea is. We don't know what happened next. It's not a story. I want to know what the process was of deciding it was going to be Green Lantern? <laughs> it's a good it question. could have been anybody. Well, the person laughing could have been anybody, too. Yeah, was, that's true. It was chosen to be Batman. Green Lantern was like, I'm going to be in a movie one day. And Batman just lost it. That's probably what it was. You probably guessed it. Just, you know, anybody having to tell Batman to be serious, you know you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Batman, this... And I, I do like that it's illustrating the the definition of serious as in, like, important with Green Lantern having to be like, no, this is, a, this is an important idea. What? Hey, come on. It's great. It's good. It's good. Now, this is not the bottom shooter, surely. No, no. Okay. This was this was the 
This was a comic in relation to the last list, which I think Seth must have submitted 40 cakes as well. Okay. I wish someone would submit 40 cakes. Buddy. Buddy. I would take them. Well, do, you, do you have pie on Thanksgiving? Do you do pie? I made two pies. I said earlier I made two pies. I completely missed that. I'm sorry, Matt. I That's okay. I, you know I listen to you, and you know that I, I think the world of you, and I would not have intentionally missed that you made two pies. What pies did you make? Uh, both sweet potato pies. They were very good. Uh, we had we had uh, a pecan, an apple, and a pumpkin. Oh. Yeah. Those are all good. Those are all good. I love a pecan pie. I also love pecan pie. Of the three, pumpkin is probably my least favorite. Same. But I, I do love a pecan pie. And perhaps surprisingly, I would, I would probably put apple in second place. Yeah. it's There are a lot of different ways to make an apple pie. Mm-hmm. You know what's really good? When there's like some when the, the it's got like streusel on top instead of that like lattice crust. Ooh. Yeah That's boy. You know I love apple pie with a little streusel. Alright. I know we're vamping to avoid this bottom. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to I don't wanna I c I'm worried about what it's gonna be. Here it is. <sighs> okay. It is no, I don't the wanna... control. Alt Dell comic strip found. Okay, thankfully this did not load when you sent it to me. <laughs> Wait, so, is there something something wrong with yeah, the, the link? Oh. The link did not work. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why is this? I mean, clearly. This is some kind of sign from the universe. Yeah, clearly, I don't want to. It's doing it again. Like, Zencaster does not want to show you this comic. All right, I'm going to send it to you in Gchat instead. Okay. All right, that one's going to work. All right. Okay. No, it's not. Okay, but I can see it in... I can see it in, in... in the chat. I can see it. Oh, okay. It came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't wanna. Matt. Here here's what this is. I I we work so hard. <laughs> you and I. <laughs> You're not wrong. We're Look. here every almost every week. And and I just don't want to. Let me explain to the listeners what this is. Okay, uh, here. Okay, before I do that, I do think we have created a monster. We? Yes, we have. We have created a monster. No, we have by allowing certain things to be considered stories by really opening up debate of what a story is we have opened the floodgates to test submissions to see to push the envelope of what a story is so that's why we're getting like definitions from the like 
we've already considered loss a story, so this has to be a story too. Yeah, but okay, okay, okay. But this is a story. It is a story. What this is is loss, but the final panel is changed. So, so this is not like a fan re-edit. This is not a memed version of loss. No, this is old. The old boy did this one himself. This one's Tim Buckley, the creator of Control Alt Dell, changing the ending of Loss so that when he arrives at his girlfriend's hospital room in the last panel, he's like wryly grinning and looking at you, the reader. He's smirking. Like he's smirking, yeah. He's 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 saying, I know this comic became a meme so i'm gonna change it it's it's like a trying to redo loss in a meta kind of way addressing how loss became a meme okay and thus making it much worse okay matt there's two stories here right that's true yes yes there's two stories the meta story, as you were just talking about, the meta story is that, is that Tim Buckley, the comics artist, is doing a bit, right? Yeah. And that is like, that's not a story we can rank. Okay. Because we can, we can, we do our best on this show to talk about what exists in the story itself. We generally do not write like, the mm, behind the, the story. No, but we often talk about the context in which a story exists. We talk about the context. And, we talk about the impact of a particular story. We do talk about yeah. those things, but that's not the primary thing that we rank. The primary thing that you and I rank on this show is the story that exists as the story exists, right? Like we, we, when we ranked that, that Supergirl issue a couple weeks ago, that was like, that was fucking centrism, the comic book. We did not rank Peter David's personal politics. You know, I'm not, did, we, did we rank it? I think we said we couldn't rank it, but I we see talked about it at length, which is almost the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, but we did not rank Peter David's personal politics. You know, those did not really impact the discussion, right? So, what we have to rank on our show where we rank comics is a story where a guy goes into a hospital, finds out his wife has a miscarriage, and smirks at someone about it. Which is fucked up. It's mega fucked up. It's If you saw this without having any idea what loss was, you'd be like, a psychopath made this comic. Yeah. And if you saw it with knowing what loss was, you would probably also think that same thing. That's true. Okay. I think we often do include the metatextual meaning of a story in our ranking. That's why Ultra Comics is so high. 
Yeah, but ultra. Well, okay, fair, fair, fair call. But, 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 meta comics or not meta comics, ultra comics works as a story because of and without the meta story. Matt, and I don't know story, if I. I don't know if I agree with your assertion that this comic is the exact same as Ultra Comics. That's not my point. <laughs> Which is what you just said. Um, no. You said this is exactly the same as and as good as Ultra Comics, which I definitely don't think I agree with. I did not get to finish my point. Okay. Ultra Comics, the meta story works because the content leads you to understand what the meta story is saying, right? Mm -hmm. If you pick up that comic and read it, you can read it for the story it has, but based on the story within it, what is within the text of the comic, you also understand the meta story. The meta story of this comic strip, you have no idea what it is or where it comes from unless you know about the entire internet history and memification of loss. That's the point I'm making. The meta story here is not in the text of this strip. It's extra. It's extraneous to this comic strip. Okay. Okay. So in fact, it is quite different from Ultra Comics. Um, I'll say this. I don't like it. No, it's very bad. And I don't like, I don't like the meta of it. And I'll tell you why. It's because, the, like, have the courage of your convictions, man. Like, yeah. Look, you, like, tri- look. you tried something. No one liked it. It sucked. It was bad. No. But at least in the original comic, it was an expression of a feeling. Yeah. But you tried something, and it didn't work. And now you can't go back and be like be like i'm in on the joke no you tried something that didn't work and that's fine yeah and you had a genuine sucks but you you had a genuine feeling you had a genuine thing happened well i don't even know if the real thing happened or if this is just a story in a comic i think it's just a story in a comic strip but whatever the case you wanted to do an emotional story in your comic strip about video games it did not work but you tried. And I can give you points for trying. Going back and making it into a cynical joke after everybody else on the internet made it into a joke, that's just sad. Yeah. Which look, which look, I get it. Cause like I'm sure it I'm sure it sucked to be the person who made this comic. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. no one liked it. Everyone hated it. <laughs> It it probably sucked real bad to be that guy for a little bit. Here's what I propose, though, Chris. Yeah? We put together the Penny Arcade Wolves and Non-Apology strips. Uh-huh. I think this should just get added to the entry for loss. Okay. So you could, you would consider this to be part of the same story as loss? Yes. See... I I disagree. And you can convince me. I'm convincible. But again, 
This is a different. This strip tells a different story that's worse. I agree that it's worse. However, it's not racist or homophobic or like it's just bad. Yeah. And as I said, kind of sad. And yeah, everything just... below loss is bad in a much worse way than even this. Because the story directly below loss is Ultimate Iron Man 1 and 2. Oh, that, that guy and sucks. We have gone over the many crimes of that book. Yeah, look, and we, we did talk about how much that dude sucks. But we also talked about how much that fucking story sucks. Yeah, a lot about it really sucks. Woof. Bad, the bad news bears, man. That fucking yep. story. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I don't like I mean it's I still think this is a different more fucked up story. I agree. But given its positioning on the list and what's around it, I think they go together. I think it it makes even more sense for it to go together cuz here's the thing. Okay, the Penny Arcade Wolf strip, aka the Dick Wolf strip, is bad. Their non-apology follow-up is so much worse. That's true. And I think this is a case of the same sort of situation. Okay. All right. I see, I see where you're coming from. So we can consider, like, so you're saying we treat this as like a loss alternate ending. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also, um, Tim, I, I don't want to like nitpick you. You're talking to Tim Buckley right now. Yeah. You think he's listening? If you are Tim, hello. We don't want to judge you as a person. Uh, these stories are not good. And also, found is not the same part of speech as loss. That's that's also true. That is also true, Matt. You do get you do have him there. Uh, found is a past, a past tense verb, and uh, loss is a noun. Yes. What would so, you would you would you call this the finding? The finding, yeah. Hmm. It's not good. Um, I don't know if we need to ban Seth from the from submitting lists. Uh, but maybe, but maybe Seth could like take a minute and really reflect and think about what he's done. Yeah, here on the yeah. show, like maybe, like maybe think about how you made me see this. And Matt, I, it, you made both of us do this. It took a lot of effort to get you to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, it did, Matt. It sure did. And was <laughs> it worth it? As I mentioned earlier, each of these stories represents time in our lives, and we only get one. Um, fair point. Here is 
uh, a list from Jolene. I don't think we've done this one before. I, I'm a little uncertain of what uh, what lists I have read on the show and which ones I haven't, because I guess I got a little mixed up with lists earlier this year. So I'm trying to scoop up the ones that, that we haven't done yet in my net. So if I happen to repeat a list that we've already done, apologies. But we actually have a few from Jolene. Um that I think they sent to us uh, to try to get us to, to do them again. So I only want to read one from them this time. So Chris, pick one of these, and then we'll come back and do one or more of the rest, okay? Okay. Tom King, Batman. <sighs> uh, some Gail Simone comics. Okay. And I'm not sure this one has a uh, a theme, really. I kind of want to do the Gail Simone comments because I feel like you know you and I deserve to think about nice things and have a nice time. Like, yeah, that's we deserve I, to have I, a nice time. But I'm still kind of in a mood where I kind of want to do the Tom King Batman stories <laughs> because of I the comics we just we just read. I don't know if we could do well. Okay, they're not all Gail Simone comics. One of them is a Chuck Dixon comic. Oh man! All right, let's do the Tom Kings then. All right, did we, have we ranked Super Friends slash Double Date from Batman thirty six thirty seven? I think we did. I thought we did. I know we talked about it on the show. No, we yes. haven't. Uh, yes, we have. It is at number four hundred sixty five on the list. Okay, then maybe we've done this list already. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't add the date, which I usually I usually put the date that we add it onto my version of the list. Uh, I have a version of the list that has uh, expanded data, which is how I know that 2005 and 2006 were the worst years in comics history. Yeah. Batman Catwoman 1 through 12, which I did not finish. DNF, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you this, though. It sucked. <laughs> Yeah, it was not good. It was bad. You're going to have to pay us to catch up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to give me some money. And then uh, Batman Killing Time, hmm. which I did not read. Is that like a, is that like its own thing? It's like, it was like its own miniseries, yeah. It was a uh, Tom King, Dave Marquez thing. Oh, I bet it looked great. I bet it did, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. Uh, did not uh, read it, but I bet I bet the art's great in it. I was thinking about them Tom King books. They always look great. Yeah. Miss Jones, Clayman. Jorge Fornos. Jorge Fornos. They all look good. It was a five-issue miniseries, from what I can tell. All right. Well, by virtue of the fact that we have ranked the one thing of in that list that we've read. We'll do the Gail Simone-ish list. Gail Simone-ish. Gail Simone and Chuck Dixon, the opposite of Gail Simone. That's right. Well, the first story on the list is the Chuck Dixon story, which is Birds of Prey Manhunt. Pretty good. Yeah. One of the better Chuck Dixon stories, I think. Like We, we talked about this. Was it on every story ever? Was it on the regular show where we talked about Chuck Dixon recently? 
Because like I don't remember. Because like, look, I've read a lot of Chuck Dixon comics. Because I've read a lot of Batman comics, and I've read a lot of Batman Family comics. And if you were reading Batman Family comics in the '90s, which is when I was reading a lot of comic books, as I have for the past thirty years, uh, like that dude was doing all of them. He was writing Bird the Prey, Nightwing, and Robin, and I think like some Batman, like Batman and Detective in that time too. Uh, like, like. It's, he was unavoidable. And as I have said before, uh, a, a, a good hand. I'm never going to go back and read these comics again. And I can't in good conscience recommend anyone read them now, knowing what we know. But I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that Dixon, Dixon, used to at least be subtle about it. You know? Like, I think all the time about spoiler keeping her baby. And how that is perfectly fine and makes per like makes sense in the context of of Robin. But and it's not like it's not like a big deal. It's not like presented as as a big deal. But I, I can't like think about it without being like, am I getting worked by this dude's right wing views? And I don't think so. I think you know, baseline like if that dude's gonna write a, a story of teen pregnancy, like he's gonna like it is going to have one outcome, and that outcome is that the the girl decides to keep the baby. Uh, but. I don't like it doesn't seem like the level of fucking brain worms that you would get with that dude's work later. Yeah, I mean it's it's posed in that story as a choice. Yeah. Which you know there are people who would believe that there is no choice and they would preach about that. And, you know, for better or worse, it's posed as a choice in that book. Yeah. I think there's a good amount of Chuck Dixon work from 25-ish years ago that is perfectly fine. Yeah. I was going to say that okay. Chuck Dixon was the creator of Birds of Prey. He's certainly the creator of Birds of Prey as we have known them most of, in most of their existence. Yeah. He did not write the first story that the Birds of Prey appeared in. No? That was Jordan B. Gorfinkel. Oh, man. JBF. No. In e. JBG. Yeah. Are you uh, sure? In, yeah. The Birds of Prey first appeared in Showcase 96, Volume 1, Number 3. Dang. In the story Birds of a Feather... Written by Jordan B. Gorfinkel with art by Jennifer Graves. But this miniseries, The Birds of Prey Manhunt, is the first appearance of Birds of Prey as we know them now. Where it is, because the original Birds of Prey in that showcase book were just Oracle and Black Canary. And in this book, they are. 
Black Canary, Oracle, Huntress, and briefly Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, the other thing that I think about with Chuck Dixon is like, man, if I feel, if I'm like, man, Chuck Dixon, how could you let me down? Like, this book, this book, like, because uh, there's Manhunt, and then there's another miniseries, uh, and then there's, I th- I think there's two miniseries, and then the ongoing starts. And that brought, like, a lot of women to comics. Like, oh, for sure. To, to DC Comics. And it's like, man, like, if I feel let down, oof. Uh, I, I know that it is a fraction of the betrayal that others feel. But, uh, but yeah. Um, as far as, again, ranking this comic for what is in the comic, it's good. It's fine. It's not my favorite, but it's like, you know, you're going to read mid-90s DC Comics about Oracle. You could do worse than to read this. It's a it's a pretty good like world hopping adventure story. Yeah, it's got Lady Jeeva yeah. in it. It sure does. Yeah, they go to Kazakhstan. They sure do. It's it's a perfectly fine comic. It's I, the original conception. I think Chuck Dixon's original conception of Birds of Prey was that they would be a spy team. I mean, they definitely like have spy type adventures. Like it is yeah, that it like world traveling, yeah. uh, you know, buddy book with with Oracle uh, directing Black Canary and uh, off and on Huntress. So yeah, I, guess, I, I think the concept is that. You're going to have your field team, and then you're going to have your, you know, director slash, uh, you know, office agent who is Oracle. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it does work as a setup uh, for for these characters. Yeah. I mean, it, it works I mean, really well. It ran for 150 issues. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, this is this story is is perfectly fine. You know, it's interesting that uh, I took the time to to give us our median book on the list uh, this time around, which is not something that I always do. Uh, yeah. But like, I feel like that has given us exactly the place to start looking because I don't think this is good, as good as Omega Effect. I don't either, but it's it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, but it's not even like the best Chuck Dixon Birds of Prey story, you know? No, it's it's the first. Yeah, yeah, and the first is rarely the best. There's the rare occasion where that's the case, but but in most cases, you know, it's going to start and then get better from there. Let's see. I'm going down to seven fifty. That's the nib, Mister Gotcha. Which is, you know, a funny, a funny comic. Uh, Amethyst, Princess of Gym World, is it seven fifty five? Keep going. Okay. <laughs> seven seventy five is the senator's been shot from Brave and the Bold number eighty five. It's I mean it's probably about that good. 
Yeah, it's, I think it could go around here somewhere. It's probably not better than Hellblazer Hard Time. That's the story everybody really likes from that book. I don't think it's better than Revenge of the Sinister Six when Doc Ock wrecks fucking house. Yeah, it's definitely not that good. That shit rules, actually. What's that shit doing at this part of the list? Is it better than Sandman the Wake, which is at number 785? You know, Matt, that's an interesting question. Because <laughs> that's a question that I want the answer to be yes. But it's definitely not. Yeah. The answer to that I question think- is not yes, and I wish it was. Because that would be very fun for me, personally. I think it's probably better than Slinger's numbers 1 through 12, which is at 787. Dang. The disrespect being shown to Dusk and Ricochet and Prodigy and that other one? Yeah, you can't even remember. Hornet? Hornet was the other one, yes. Yeah, boy. I can still name all four Slingers. Uh, I will never not be able to. Yeah, that's, that's, my that's the life you lead. Uh... Is it better than Batman Blind Justice at number 786? (laughs) That's a tough question to answer, Matt. Blind Justice has the bone shaker in it. It does, but this has Lady Shiva. Or Bone Crusher, or whatever that guy's name was. That guy who's not Bane, but is clearly Bane. If If you can name Lady Shiva like that, but you can't name Bone Crusher... This goes above Batman Blind Justice. All right, fine, fine. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right, it's, it's the first comic we've actually ranked this time. Well, we ranked found. It just went in a spot that was already there. <laughs> it was incorporated, not ranked. Yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey, Manhunt goes at the new number 786 on the list. Uh, next up is Birds of Prey Dead of Winter. That's issues 104 to 108, uh, written by Gail Simone. That's, that's cruising us into the Gail Simone era. Yeah. Uh, I read every single issue of Gail Simone's Birds of Prey and they are good. Yeah, but, Mm. and I say, I say this as a big fan of Gail Simone, big fan, was a big fan going back to like indie work uh like i was a big you know but like gail and 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 chip zadarsky are like two people that i've been like down since day one uh with their work but i i never thought her birds of prey was as good as it should have been for how much she clearly wanted to write it and loved those characters. It did probably controversial. I I think it's probably fair to say that at times it felt like there was some editorial intervention in that book. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like maybe that has to do with like art stuff, like, you know, Ed Bennis uh, is, is not, not who I would have picked. But but didn't often seem to be at like cross purposes with the writing or anything. To be entirely fair, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It it didn't it didn't get me because I wanted it to be as good as Secret Six, which it wasn't. 
This is the Secret Six crossover, though, which is really good. <laughs> yes, and no Ed Bennis. Nicholas Scott is doing the art. Yeah, on kick ass. Like issues. this is probably the best arc on uh, her run on Bird's Prey. It's really good. Yeah, got fucking Barda in it. I love the panel yeah. of uh, of Barda on the plane with like three bullet wounds, just like chilling <laughs> and just going like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I guess I got shot." Uh, but I'm fucking Big Barda, so I do not care. I love that cover that has the Big Barda versus Knockout uh, like fight poster. Yeah. Who did the covers for these? I would guess. Oh, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, Stephanie Room. Or Stephanie Oh, Rue. okay. I don't know how you yeah, pronounce Stephanie. Stephane? Stephane? Stephane Rue? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but they're good. They're good, uh, good covers. Yeah. And good issues. I, I agree. This is probably the best arc of that birds of prey run. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. It is the exact same setup of both teams are trying to get something, uh, and find themselves at odds. Uh, the thing they're trying to get is ice. Uh, the the Justice Leaguer. That's right. Who um, who other writers would have you believe cucked and murdered Guy Gardner? Yeah, I forgot how big the Birds of Prey team was by this point. Oh yeah, man, Lady Blackhawk, Savant, Manhunter, uh, fucking Spy Smasher in this Hawk Girl. Yeah, boy. I like a big team. Uh, it really, really ballooned up the size of the team. This particular uh, uh, arc, because of both like the characters that are, are featured in it and the fact that like Secret Six should have just been called Suicide Squad, because that's what it was. Like it was, it was, it was the book that continued the the Ostrander, Kim Yale, Luke McDonald Suicide Squad. Like that's. That is, it, if if you have read uh, Secret Six and you're like, "Wow, I love this book," go read Suicide Squad because I bet you'll like it. Uh, that's that's the DNA of that book. Um, but this reminds me a lot of the uh, Suicide Squad arc uh, that crosses over with Justice League International. Uh, and I it seems like almost inspired by it. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, it's it is not a coincidence that. Uh, that uh, ice is is the MacGuffin in this. Yeah, it's a good it's a good story. It's really good. Like I said, probably the best of Gail's uh, Gail Simone's Birds of Prey run for sure. Find me the spot. Uh, I mean, th- this might be getting a little too high, but I do like it more than I like that first volume of My Hero Academia, which is at four fifty two. I, I'm fine with it going in that neighborhood. Sure. Okay. I don't think I like it as much as the Matt Kent and Jack, which rules actually. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I like it as much as uh, Claw of the Witch of Winter. So I think right above my Hero Academia one. All right, then that's where it'll go. The Birds, Birds of Prey four fifty two. Birds of Prey the the trade paperback is called Dead of Winter. The story was called White Water. 
I think I would rather call it Dead of Winter. Uh, and that's numbers 104 through 108. So it's on the list of number 452. Speaking of Secret Six, Chris, next on Jolene's list is Secret Six 2015, which Jolene believes all 14 issues to be one continuous story. There was a Secret Six book in 2015? I uh, maybe the date is no uh, no that's th- there sure is I do, I don't know if I read the secret the 2015 secret six I don't think I did this had to be in like a weird little period because this is like 2015 would mean pre rebirth pre birth but like post so DCU. DCYOU. I guess this was DCU. Yeah. What? Uh, let's see. That would be Secret Six Volume 5? No, Secret Six. It, okay, it had New 52 branding on the cover. Yeah. And. We're five years into the New 52 at that point. Yeah, but it still had New 52 branding on the cover. And the team was very different because it was big shot black alice catman porcelain strix and ventriloquist what a weird what a weird thing like a weird little artifact a weird little time to be doing this book because this feels like your rebirth book right or or a start of new 52 book yeah it feels more like a book that would have been at the start of the new 52 because it's got like the, it totally it's, it's got the same title, but totally changes the characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Catman's in here. I think Catman is the, is the one holdover. Yeah. I believe from the original secret six, uh, but you ain't got no, you ain't got no Bane. Ain't got no Deadshot because he's in Suicide Squad. Yeah. You ain't got no right, ain't got Scandal Savage. This was concurrent with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not read it. This, this feels like a true comics catch-up. Yeah, this feels like Contender. something that like completely went under the radar for me. Like... I'm going to write this down as something. This maybe should be our comics catch up for January because it's some, it's like a book that just totally blew by both of us. Yeah. Like, yeah. So secret six volume four. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do that for catch up for January because I bet it's pretty good. I mean, Gail wrote it. Yeah. It's probably pretty good. Uh, So we'll do the backup from Jolene's list here, which is Why Holly Isn't Dead from Catwoman Secret Files and Origins Number 1 by Ed Brubaker. That's a good comic. That is a good comic. That's a good comic. I mean, that whole run, that whole Brubaker run on Catwoman is just top-notch. Yeah, but do you you know this story? You know, I've read it. 
I'm going to have to go remind myself of the events of it. But, it's the one uh, where like Holly's like in the bathtub and talking about how uh, like she's reading a book and she's like, yeah, you know, like uh, this character in this book that just they just killed off is back now. And uh, Chum's like, oh, that's weird. But, you know, nobody ever stays dead in comics. We don't like we all know that. Uh, the creators probably didn't even know she was dead and definitely didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's got uh, Eric Shanauer is the artist and letterer on that story. Yeah. Oh, I mean, talk about a book with a meta story. Yeah. Man, that, that's how is that the theme of this episode? Yeah. So you're saying that this comic is exactly like found <laughs> by Tim Buckley. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. You, you didn't mention the, uh, the runner, the running gag throughout this story. Oh, Catwoman's where new Catwoman costumes is putting on all her different costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where she's got like a Vampirella costume and I mean, it's honestly, it's Eric Shanor drawing a bunch of fetish gear. Uh, almost definitely, yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. this this is a fun story. And uh, and, and it's uh, if you're wondering why Holly isn't dead, uh, because uh, Holly Robinson uh, had been dead and was no longer dead when uh, the Catwoman series started. Um, you do not get an answer. It's because it's because it's comics. And on the one hand, that's a very two th- when was that book coming out? Like two thousand four. Uh, this is November of two thousand two. Is the cover date on two thousand two? Yeah. Okay, it's a very early two thousands kind of answer to that question. <laughs> a very kind of like shrug. It's comics, non-answer. But I, it's executed very well. Yeah. And also, like, it's – we did not gain anything from Holly being dead, from Holly being killed off. Holly being killed off was, like, a real-world bummer. So, True. fuck it. And and what is always the answer to why is a comics character not dead? Like – there are a handful of stock answers, none of which were satisfying. Oh, they faked their death. Oh, it was a clone. Oh, it was an alternate universe version of them that died. Oh, it was someone that looked just like them. Oh, like it's, you can name them all, right? Oh, Green Lantern brought him back to life. Before yeah. he went and reignited the sun during the events of Final Night. Exactly. That one's pretty specific, <laughs> I guess. We know all these answers. And they got into the Kryptonian life matrix. We know all of these. What's your favorite story where someone has come back from the dead? Huh. Because I know what your least favorite story where someone came back from the dead is. What you got to tell? I don't even know what that is. Tell me what that is. Maybe 
oh yeah, that one does suck real bad. Oh, I mean, Bucky. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah. That is like the best one. Yeah. Like it's kind of, there's kind of no contest. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't have an, I didn't have a different one. So, yeah. This one's good though. I like this one. Uh it's it's fun. It's a fun little two-page story in a pretty fun book overall. I remember there being a very enjoyable Slam Bradley story in this. Uh yeah. Yeah. I remember I, when I think, uh, Brubaker, and Brubaker was like Say that again. I think Brubaker writes the whole thing. Like there's multiple stories in here that Brubaker writes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's got, you know, art by lots of different people. Like the main Catwoman story is Michael Avon aiming. Uh Michael Lark does a slam slam Bradley thing. Oh, there's one thing that's not Ed Brubaker. Uh, which is Jeff Johns wrote on a pinup of Black Mask. <laughs> he wrote the pinup. He wrote the pinup. Yeah. He wrote the, he, but he didn't write the Black Mask story that's in here, which is by Ed Brubaker. Yes. Uh, there's a Black Mask pinup that Jeff Johns wrote. Like it was, It's basically like a handbook entry about yeah. Black Mask. Wild. Hey, that's that's, I mean, that's first of all, that's the job I've always wanted, but uh, that's a great job for Jeff Johns. It really is. He knows all that stuff. Yeah. All right, let's rank uh, this very fun Holly story. Pretty fun, I would say. Pretty fun. Not like you know, world shattering, but pretty fun. Yeah, it's it's a good gag. It's a good gag, uh, which I think. Probably puts it in maybe the high 700s. You mean like the low 700s? Or do you mean like close to 800? I mean close to 800. Oh, okay. Um, Like, it's not as good as uh, Ben Grimm's Bar Mitzvah. That's an 803. Oh, so we're... Okay, so we're going into the 800s here. I mean, that's just, that's just where I'm looking, baby. Is it better than... It's not better than The Order from 2007. Is it better than Hellboy Heads, a similarly... No. Short? (laughs) No, it's not. Okay. I think it's better than Max Wittert's X-Men Mary Xmas, which is at number 827. Okay. Is it better than Thanos and Darkseid Carpool Buddies of Doom 2015? Very similar. Yeah. Very comparable, I would say. Yeah, I would say so too. Uh very, very comparable. Um probably not as good. That's a pretty good one. Alright. Then I think it goes at the new number eight twenty seven. Alright. So Catwoman Why Holly Isn't Dead goes at the new number eight twenty seven. I'm not even gonna say it's Catwoman Secret Files and Origins number one because there are like six stories in that book. 
All right, Chris, our next list comes from Ian Muir, who uh, has two lists for us to choose from. 90s Marvel blockbusters or Judge Dread epics. 90s Marvel blockbusters. All right, here we go. Avengers Operation Galactic Storm. <laughs> oh man. We you and me walked right into that one, huh? Yep. That is that is the book that we've read the Captain America parts of. <laughs> uh yeah, I have not read all of Operation Galactic Storm. So I don't know if we can r- rank it in good conscience. I I can tell you in good conscience is not very good. No. There's little I could care about less than a war between the Kree and the Shi'ar. Then, then whether it's right to murder the Supreme Intelligence? Who wasn't actually murdered, right? I mean, we oh, just wait. talked about people coming back from the dead. Oh, that's right. But Iron Man sent a team off to go kill the Supreme Intelligence. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, Matt? If you think that's okay, then maybe I should resign from the show. Yeah. <laughs> then vote me out as leader right now. Okay, we can't rank it. it no, probably, but it's bad. We've read enough of it. <laughs> hey, I've read enough of it to tell you. It's bad. Uh, next up is X-Men The Phalanx Covenant in which the phalanx race attacks Earth. Uh, I also do not care for that story, and I have read the whole thing. Yeah. This I don't know, man. Cosmic Marvel was bad. Yeah. Like, it's weird. It's weird that that's what happened in the 90s. Yeah. They like started off really strong, Infinity Gauntlet, 1991, boom, crushed it. And then it just kind of went all over the map. It went off a cliff. We got Infinity War and everybody had doubles. It went off a cliff, man. Space cliff. Yes, a space cliff. Do you remember Maximum Security? Maximum Security, was that, that was early 2000s. I think it was late 90s. I would, no, it's, because it's post-Marvel Knights. It's early 2000s. I would put money on it. You're right. Nope. You're right. It was December 2000 and January 2001. You, you, okay. You nailed it. I maintained that the premise of, of Maximum Security was not bad. But every single piece of the execution was terrible. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it crossed over into everything oh it was in every marvel book yeah yeah but in every marvel book uh if you don't know maximum security that was the story where uh aliens decided that uh earth should be alien prison so they were just putting all a bunch of of alien criminals on earth so like all the all the bad people from other planets were like sent to earth and i I actually think that's a pretty good idea because if you're in the marvel universe and you're from another planet you're like yeah send them to the fucking earth they fuck around with the phoenix on that planet all the time 
Chris, I am looking at the Wikipedia page for Maximum Security right now. Uh-huh. So Marvel came to Kurt Busiek looking for a big crossover for 2000-2001. Maximum Security was his second idea. Okay. Do you want to hear what his first idea was? Yes, of course I do. His first idea was a story called Y2Kang. Uh, okay. In which, when the clock struck midnight on New Year's Eve 1999, the whole world reverted back to 1900, and it was all a turn-of-the-century story. Who would say no to that book? That's a bummer, man. Y2Kang sounds great. The only, I guess the reason they said no to it was because it would have published too late to be timely. Buddy, you and me would be sitting here right now being like, but you know what was good, though, that nobody else liked? Y2Kang. <laughs> yeah. But Maximum Security was a Kurt Music idea? It was a Kurt Music idea, yeah. That's surprising, because it's bad. But that does explain why the premise is good. He wrote the main series, the like three issue miniseries. It's not good. No, it's not good. It's not good. It's uh, also not the comic we're meant to be ranking right now. No, we're supposed to be ranking the Phalanx Covenant. Eventually, we will get maximum security. Someone will send that in, and so we can just splice this audio in. Yes, that's true. I mean, we'll just talk about it again. But uh, probably. Yeah. Matt, I never get tired of talking about Marvel Comics uh, of varying quality with you. That's what we do. That's our that's our job. So, Phalanx Covenant is a story about these aliens who hate mutants. Yeah, I don't I don't fuck with the Phalanx, man. And they're all like fucking warlock. Yeah, like Warlock, a character that famously I think you and I do not have any time for. No, we sure don't. Hate the way he talks. Don't like him. I also, I, I, I agree with self-friend Matt <laughs> that that is bad. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it should tell you how good the story is that you and me just talked about maximum security for like five minutes. <laughs> that's, that's what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, the the phalanx, they like, they want to, they, they, I mean, you said it, they're fucking aliens who don't like mutants, which is weirdly specific. It'd be like if the aliens didn't like Greeks. Like if aliens came to Earth and they were like, hey, we're cool with everybody but Italians. We'd all be like, that's pretty weird, aliens. Yeah. I mean, mutants are, like, genetically different from humans. But it I, is weird. I mean... That it's, it's, you know, but it is weird that aliens from another planet... over here. Uh, this is the uh, the crossover that launched Generation X, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which 
Okay. Yeah. Like, like I would rather just they just. I'd rather they just like did Generation X. Yeah. I don't know, man. You and me, we don't fuck with the phalanx. It's it's not I. It's not my favorite X Men crossover. What is your favorite X Men crossover? Hmm. You know, there was a discussion recently on the uh, Discord about Fatal Attractions being ranked too high. I'm sorry, it rules. Yeah, incorrect. That story is good, actually. Yeah. The the image of Magneto ripping all the adamantium out of Wolverine's body, I'll never, I'll never forget it. I can yeah. recall that image in my sleep. Yeah, it um is fucking dope. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry, it's good. It's it's a certain type of cool <laughs> that we love. That that very specific early '90s Marvel comics cool. Yeah. Um. The the list, as we have said before, the list already exists. The yes. list exists in its complete form, and you and I are merely chipping away at the marble. The marble? Is, I think I said marble. But that's what I the, wanted to say. It's the Marvel marble. It's the, we're some chipping away the marble marble. And, and I'll tell you this. It's weird that you and I were children when comics were objectively the best they'd ever been. <laughs> Yeah, it's comics just happen to be the best they've ever been when I was nine. Yeah, it's 1965, the 1965 to 1966, best year for comics, 2005 2006, worst year for, for comics. Don't ask me what was happening when I was 24. Maybe I was going through some stuff, maybe I wasn't, doesn't matter. This is completely objective. Science. 1990, 1992, 1993, coolest comics. Yeah, most rad comics. Except for the Phalanx Covenant, which sucks. Yep. Uh, which is 1994. Um, interestingly, uh, uh, ad- adapted for the uh, X-Men cartoon, X-Men 92. Uh, it kind of at the same time as it was coming out in, in, in comic form. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Uh, yeah, is this, is this the start of the techno organic virus? N- no, a totally different thing. No, that, that was <laughs> that was from earlier. That was from earlier. Cable okay. already had the techno organic virus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's rank this. How come it's, we don't have like cool viruses like techno organic viruses in the real world? I ask myself that question every day. What if in 2019 just a bunch of people got robot arms and glowing eyes? That would have been better. Than just dying? Yeah. 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 Is this better than when John drank that dog semen? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Matt, yes, it is. So this is better than that. That's a fucking wild comic. 
<laughs> that got published in newspapers. Yeah. It's that's too so wild. Two of the wildest things from the past is that they put a movie in movie theaters called Octopussy. Uh-huh. And they published in newspapers John drinking dog jizz. Like, that's f- fully what happens in that story, in that strip. Yeah. So weird. I don't think... You could dispute this, Chris, but I don't think the Phalanx Covenant is better than Superman Up, Up, and Away, which is at number 1021, just above John drinking dog semen. Eh. eh probably not, no. Okay, hold on. Pizza Hut X-Men 1 through 4 is at number 1029. Okay, well, this definitely goes below those. How did John drinking dog jizz rank so high? Why are people worried about the fucking fatal attractions? (laughs) Uh, Mutant Genesis is at 2.0. Is it number 1031? Uh, Nazga's at. Nazga's at. I mean, I guess it's really funny. It is pretty funny that John does that. It's it's funny. It might be the funniest thing that's ever happened in a Garfield. That might be true. That might fully be true. Yeah. We need some. We need some scholarship on that. Uh Let's see. Um, probably better than Young Blood Strike File one through four. Yeah. Where's that one? That's at 1097. I think it's better than the first appearance of Moon Knight in Werewolf by Night, numbers 32 through 33. That's at number 1046. Mm. Mm, I'm scrolling up uh, just to see that. So you're saying the Phalanx Covenant is better than the last Calvin and Hobbes strip? Yeah, that's a bummer. Last Calvin and Hobbes strip is a bummer. Okay. All right. I don't think it's as good as the Batman Green Arrow question crossover, though. Okay. Then it'll go with the new number 1046. Yeah. X-Men. Phalanx Covenant. Which... Goes through multiple titles, so I'm not going to list issue numbers there. It went through, it was in Wolverine Cable, X Men, Uncanny X Men, X Force, X Factor. I think it was like basically in every X Men book coming out at the time. So uh, we'll just call it the Phalanx Covenant. All right. Uh, finally, on. Ian's list is Spider-Man, the Assassin Nation plot. I know I've read this. I can picture the covers. It's the story where Spider-Man teams up with Silver Sable to, and Paladin, to to prevent the murder of a, uh, the, the monarch of a fictional country. Yeah, and it's it's assassin nation, like nation of assassins, right? Because it's 
This is like an attempt to do like a world hopping uh, spy story with Spider-Man. It's the Euro hit of Spider-Man stories. That's right. It's exactly that. Um, written by uh, David Michelinie, who was writing Amazing Spider-Man at the time. This is 1989. Uh, with art by Todd. Old Todd. Trying to trying to do some, some world traveling uh, Spider-Man stuff. This is one of my least favorite Spider-Man stories of that era. I know I've read this, but I have no memory of what happens in it. Because it's very forgettable. Almost always. And I feel like this is, unfortunately, what often happens with Silver Sable stories. Anytime there's an attempt to make Spider-Man a, like a globe-trotting superhero, it does not work. Mm-hmm. It's it's not what Spider-Man is built for. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man should not be defending palaces. <laughs> this has tons of shit that would be great if it was a Captain America story. Well, I mean Captain America's in it. He is. You know cuz you know who Superman her, you know who Spider-Man's fighting throughout this? Fucking Ultimatum baby. Dang, all right, that does sound good. Yeah. Because, like, I don't really remember anything about this, but then you told me that the Underground Liberated Totally Integrated Mobile to Army to Unite Mankind was in it. And, Matt, you know that's 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 the magic words for you, boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think... I might be totally wrong here, but I don't think Flag Smasher is actually in this. I believe Ultimatum has a different leader in this story. Well, I know Red Skull shows up on the covers. Yeah, Red Skull gets gets involved uh, near the end. But, um, but Flag Smasher's not here. I think this is after Flag Smasher got kicked out of Ultimatum <laughs> in Captain America. We've read that how story. Could, how are you going to kick him out of Ultimatum? They did. Remember, yeah. Ultimatum I mean, was was working separate from him and was being funded by the Red Skull. Being funded by the Red Skull, yeah. That's why the Red Skull ultimately shows up at the end here. Man. I like you know, there's enjoyable stuff in this story. Like <laughs> Okay. Do you remember this part? How Spider-Man was originally in this to prevent the assassination of this like king of this fictional European country. But the real plan, Ultimatum's real plan, is to steal the U.S. Constitution Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights from the National Archives and blame it on Simcaria, the fictional country. Uh, that sounds great, actually. Okay, the twist. You're telling stuff me they're, are, doing a, they're doing a national treasure. They're doing a national treasure. And Red Skull, it's got some good Red Skull stuff in it. I'll say that because it's like all in with that Red Skull 
of that period, Captain America, he's a businessman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's like just totally mercenary about all of it. So he like tries to give Spider-Man a briefcase full of money. Hilarious. This sounds good. The more you talk about this, the better it sounds, actually. And Spider-Man's like, I do need the money, but no. And uh, Peter, you can take the money and then still fuck up the Red Skull. (laughs) Uh, Like, nobody would be mad at you for that. Uncle Ben would think that was fine. It, I, I'll okay. It does get better by the end. The the stuff about like protecting the uh, like the king of what, Simcaria. Uh huh. I don't care. D- don't want to. That's like not the Spider Man story I want at all. But issue three twenty five with the Red Skull, like being this era Red Skull, is honestly pretty good. By the time you get to that, mm. I will give it that. But like, okay, despite my description, it's it's not as good as I'm making it sound. Like, <sighs> the whole beat with Red Skull offering Spider-Man a million dollars in a briefcase. Uh-huh. Like, it should be better than it is. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Like, that sounds good, though. Everything moves just a little too fast. But that's a bummer. That sounds good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's the more I think about it, the more it's like fun. But it's just not, it's, to me, it is not the type of story where Spider-Man flourishes. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man talking to generals and shit, that ain't (laughs) Spider-Man. You know? Mm -hmm. I get you. I get get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, All right. I think this could maybe go in, like... Let's see. Let me look at some other Spider-Man stories in the kind of like 900, 900s-ish areas. Because I think this is where that goes. Okay. Something Can Stop the Juggernaut is at number 986. (sighs) I think that might be better. Harry Osborne did a drug is at one one thousand nine. The Acts of Vengeance story is at ten ten. Tangle Web the Thousand is at ten eleven. Hmm. Okay, there's a couple crossovers at ten seventy five and ten seventy six that I think are probably like on the same level as this. Spider-Man and Batman, and Spider-Man X-Force Sabotage. Ooh. Ooh, that one. That one's got, that one's an unfortunate one. Yeah. This is probably better than those. 
Uh, Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man is at 1062. I would probably put this above that, too. All right. I'm going to put it at the new number 1055. Below Sojourn and above Avengers versus X Men. Okay. Uh, so it's Spider Man, the Assassin Nation plot. Uh, and it actually only ran in Amazing Spider Man. So I'll, I'll note that it's Amazing Spider Man. It is that, it is that good. Groony version of Red Skull. You can't take that away from it. Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. And it's got ultimatum. So, not all bad. Not all bad. I'm not going to say it again, but you you know what it stands for. Yes. All right, since we didn't rank Galactic Storm, Ian does have one alternate for us, which is Avengers X-Men Blood Ties, in which the Avengers and X-Men go to Genosha. I don't think I've read it. Or, I, again, I don't have memory of it right now. I feel like I had to have read it. Yeah, like, I feel the same way, but, like, I don't remember anything about it. It's from 1993, and it, it ran through Avengers, X-Men, Avengers West Coast... Uncanny X-Men, and then Avengers again. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mess with Avengers West Coast. You know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I have to have read this. But I, I, I don't remember a darn thing about it. So... I guess we'll we'll table it and probably never come back to it because we're not going to read that issue of Avengers West Coast. <laughs> yep, definitely not. Uh, okay, Chris, this will probably be our last list of this special. Okay. This list comes from us, to us from Joel Valentine. All right, and All these right, are gold. Yeah, these are gold, silver, and bronze Superman. Okay. First on Joel's list is Wiz Comics number two, the first appearance of Captain Marvel. I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's I I, I hesitate to say that Captain Marvel is fully formed at this point. Uh huh. But a lot of it is there. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Like, we've talked about Golden Age stories before and how, like, you have to make a lot of allowances for Golden Age stories because of, you know, like, Action Comics number one is not like a, like a fun read here in the year 2022, right? But it has good intentions. It has good intentions, and it's like, better than a lot of other stuff that's out there. But it's, you know, it's it's weirdly old-timey. This is, like, two years later, 
and it kind of reads like a real comic. <laughs> like, well, it's it's really weird, right? Because it is one thousand percent a superhero goes to fights in World War Two comic. Because it was published in, in, in 1940? In, in, in Wiz 2? Yeah, in Wiz 2. I think you might be looking at Wiz 3. Oh, maybe I am. Yeah, I think I am. There's no Wiz he's, 1. He's, he's, throwing, uh, he's throwing tanks in Wiz, Wiz yeah, 2. Yeah, no, he's throwing that car in, in, in Wiz 2. Okay. Because there's no yeah, Wiz was, 1. I was, I, you're right. I had, I had gone and looked at Wiz 3. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It can be a little confusing because, uh, uh, for some reason, like Wiz 1 doesn't exist or like they did like an ash can or something just to secure the copyright. Mm, okay. Uh, so Wiz 2 is the first issue. The, uh, the archive. Cause all these old like Wiz comics are on like archive.org uh they had it labeled as whiz comics number one so or yeah. number two uh which is why i was confused okay i'm sorry yeah. Yes. um yeah this is whiz this is, the is the origin is the origin story yeah for first to know of uh of captain marvel um of all the golden age first issues that we've talked about it is by far the best one like it's like a real comic it's good it's like actually good <laughs> the designs on the seven deadly enemies of man are fantastic yeah man they look like that when fucking jerry orway draws them in 40 50 years yeah like this is exactly the origin like almost beat for beat that they put in a fucking hundred million dollar movie. Yeah. Yeah. Four years ago or however long that was. Yeah. It's, it holds up like, cause it's very simple. And like the weird thing is Captain Marvel's better than Superman. Like he's better than Superman. <laughs> like the stories are better than golden age Superman stories. The idea is better than than the Golden Age Superman idea. Little kid turns into Superman. Great, yeah, such I a mean, good idea. What better way to sell comics than to take Superman and make him a kid? Yeah, a kid that could yeah. be you. Like you don't get this comic if you don't already have Superman and Robin. But, like, you take those two ideas, put them together, like two of the best ideas in human history. That's right. I said two of the best ideas in human history. Fucking the wheel, number one. Dogs, number two. (laughs) Number three, Robin. Number four, Superman. Number five, Captain Marvel. Like strong, you don't get this without those, but it's better than all of them. At least at this point in time, yeah. it's it's a more fully realized idea. Yeah, I mean, by and large, like 
Captain Marvel comics from 1940 read like every other comic from like 1960. And a lot of that is because like, you know, Otto Binder goes and writes Superman comics in the 50s and 60s, you know? Right. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like the guy who was writing Superman comics 20 years later was writing all these original Captain Marvel comics. Yeah. The art on these in this book is also great. I very much invite anyone listening to this to go to archive.org and look at these golden age, like these very high quality scans of these original Wiz comics issues. Cause they're really good. Yeah. And I should say this, this is a, this is not auto bender. Uh, this is uh, bill Parker was the, the first uh, writer auto bender. Uh, okay. until, uh, like I think captain Marvel adventures, but like it's CZ Beck from the start. And like, CZ Beck kicks ass. Like, CZ Beck, if you want to know who was good at drawing comic books in the Golden Age, it's it's Joe Schuster, CZ Beck, and Jack Cole. Kirby's not Kirby yet. No. All I've, three of those dudes are better than Kirby at this time. Honestly, looking at this now, Kirby took a lot from these old CC Beck Wiz comics issues. Yeah. Why the wouldn't tra- you? The train that Billy Batson gets on is super Kirby-ish. Yeah. Before Kirby. It's got all, all the weird, like, it's super art deco with all the weird magic symbols on it. Yeah. I fucking that's love the, that train. That's the only way you would know that this was a comic from the 40s and not the 60s is the way everything is drawn like the, the super art deco style yeah but then think about like how you get like like max fleischer superman cartoons don't look like don't look like joe schuster drawings as much as they look like cc back drawings you know yeah and then i filter that down to bruce tim so I think what we're getting down to here is that the first appearance of Captain Marvel is better than the first appearance of Superman. <laughs> yes. He's a better idea. He's a better idea. He's he's the fucking best idea in comics. So Action Comics number one is at 505. The first appearance uh, of Robin is 503. Okay. Here's what's wild. Wiz 2 comes out. It's cover dated February 1940. So Robin might not have been the sensational character find of 1940. It might have been Captain Marvel. It might. It might. It kind of should have been Captain Marvel. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely better than Action Comics number one. Is it better than uh, Detective Comics number 38? Yes. Okay. Like, again, you can make a very convincing, very easy argument that this is the best comic of the Golden Age. I, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. Both in terms of, like, it is a good story, like a a well-written and well-drawn story, but also... In terms of impact, like the only comic that has more impact than this are Detective 27 and Action One. And it's kind of, you can kind of argue 
that this had more of an impact on Superman than Action One did. It's it's arguable. Okay. So we got a whole chunk of first appearances here all bunched together around number 500 on the list. Okay. The first appearance of Wolverine in Incredible Hulk number 181 is at 498. Giant size size X-Men number one is at 492. Mm, It might not be better than that. I don't know where we put Detective 27. Well, Detective 27 is not very good. Yeah, we may have put it like lower. We did. It's at 956. Yeah, okay. uh, the case of the Chemical Syndicate is not a great story. It just so, happens to introduce the best character. I think this is okay. Captain America Comics number one is at 496. This Arguably, is better than that. The other best single issue of the Golden Age. Yeah. So, okay, Swamp Thing number one is at 493. I mean, I like this better. So, between Giant Size X-Men number one and Swamp Thing number one? Yeah, I would say Giant Size X-Men number one, like, on on a technical level, like, the next comic to have an impact like Wiz 2 is Fantastic Four 1. The next comic to have an impact like this after that is Amazing Fantasy 15. <laughs> and then the next comic to have an impact like that is Giant Size X-Men number one. Yeah. So it's, it's arguably there's like five or six comics that have that sort of impact in those first years of Marvel in the early 60s. But the easiest line is from Fantastic Four number one to Amazing Fantasy number 15, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, Daredevil didn't reinvent the superhero like Spider-Man did, you know? Spider-Man no. reinvents the superhero. He does. Uh, Fantastic Four reinvents superhero comics. Spider-Man reinvents the superhero. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah, if you've never read... Uh, the first Captain Marvel story, it's good. Like, it's actually good. And they are, again, they're on the internet for free. All those books are on the internet for free on the internet archive. So, yeah. Go find them because they're in the public domain now, I think. Uh, okay. Next on Joel's list is Action Comics number 224 The Secret of Superman Island. Wait a second. I didn't actually put this on the list. Where does it go? What number? It's uh, number 493. Between Giant Size X-Men number one and Swamp Thing number one. Okay, so did you hear what the next book is? Action Comics 224? Uh, Yes, I did. Action Comics 224. What is that one? It is called The Secret of Superman Island. Ooh, that's the island that's shaped like Superman. Yes. That's great. Matt, the island is shaped like Superman. <laughs> I did I did not have to look that up. I knew that shit off the top of my head. There's a lot of things that you could assume Superman Island was. Like an island full of Superman. 
or an island named after Superman. But no, it's it's shaped like Superman, and it's not well. It's not just shaped like Superman. It is like the color of Superman as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is an island that looks like the guy Superman. Yes, which is great and hilarious. Uh, this is a this is a Ed Hamilton Wayne Boring joint, baby. And uh, Superman is so protective of it, he cannot allow planes to land on it. Yeah, he does build a lighthouse on it. Like right in, like right underneath where Superman's ribs would be, so like kind of a weird spot. But the lighthouse just projects a giant picture of Superman. <laughs> uh, this story kicks ass. <laughs> uh, so Lois, really wanting to know what is the deal with Superman Island? Because oh, yeah, Superman's like, don't don't land on it. Nobody yeah. can come to Superman Island. Right. Nobody can land on Superman Island. It's just, you're not allowed. And Lois finds out that Superman's been working with a scientist, but the scientist won't tell her what is going on on Superman Island either. So she goes and tries to investigate it herself. And it turns out it's full of kryptonite. Yeah. And so he makes Superman Island so that he can pick up Superman Island and Superman Island itself will protect him from the kryptonite and he throws it into space. Yep. And and he says that it's going to become the Superman star now. Which is not how stars are made, Ed. <laughs> but also, that means that like, until 1987, there was just a giant Superman-shaped piece of land in space. Full of kryptonite. <laughs> Full of kryptonite. <laughs> uh, so the the scientists thought that kryptonite could be used to be an energy source for Earth, by the way. Uh-huh. That's why they were collecting it. Yeah. But it doesn't work. It it won't. It 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 isn't an energy source. Yeah, it so just kills Superman. Yeah, so it, Superman throws the island into space. Yeah. So you gotta do that sometimes. This, this is like truly the epitome of a goofy Silver Age Superman story. Yeah, it's not like great. It's, 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 it's He doesn't get a lion head. Yeah, it's just weird. It's, it's just, like... like yeah. This is, as you said, like this is kind of like the standard issue Silver Age Superman story, where it's just kind of weird, and it's, Superman has a problem. The way that I always read Silver Age Superman stories is that the various writers and editors working on Superman sat around in a room and just came up with whatever bonkers ideas they could think of there's an island shaped like superman jimmy olsen turns into eternal man superman gets a lion head superman can shoot a little tiny superman out of his hands all of that stuff and then they just figured out and they went with all of them all those ideas and then had to figure out a way to write a story about it yeah i'm pretty sure the covers came first 
Like I'm pretty sure that Definitely. is that is actual factual. Yeah. It's like um, what what insane thing can we put on the cover that we then have to figure out a way to explain in a story? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, have we ranked that one where Superman shoots a little Superman out of his hand? Because that story's great. Superman's new power? <laughs> Superman's new power? I, I think we've ranked that one. That's fucking... Have you ever heard Grant Morrison talk about that story? That story's great. Yeah. Superman gets uh, jealous of this little Superman that he shoots out of his hand. We, we don't have anything on the list called Superman's new power. So we may have not, not have ranked it. It's wild that we haven't ranked that one. Somebody send that one in. I want to talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, That was Superman Volume 1, number 125. Oh, that's good shit. That's good fucking comics, buddy. It's it's not coming up when I search for it. So I don't think Uh, we've ranked it. Yeah, but yeah, this story's fine. Uh, It's like, it's weird. I remembered that cover instantly. (laughs) This is 1957, so it's kind of like you know, like right on the cusp of the the high Silver Age. Yeah, Superman's new for me. Superman's, Superman's new power was the following year. Yeah, like 58, 59, like that's when you really get like full on Silver Age Superman, like fucking Candor, all that shit, that that Otto Bender shit. All right, let's rank this. Uh, all right, it's pretty good. I would, I would read this before I would read most comics on this list. The fucking lighthouse is bananas. All right, here's my, here's my number one question, Chris. Okay. Is it better than Giant Turtle Man? Giant Turtle Man's not as good as you want it to be. That's true, yeah. So yes, I would say yes. Definitely, definitely right. goes above that. Right. Eight, Giant, Turtle Man right is, Giant Turtle Man is pretty low on the list anyway. Uh, let's see. Let me find some other Silver Age Superman that we have ranked. Okay. All right. It's 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 not going to be as good as the original Death of Superman. I can tell you that right now. No. Although weirdly enough, the the story in the issue after this one, the lead story, is called the Death of Superman, but it's not that Death of Superman. Right. It's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different story about Superman having robot guts. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that cover. Uh, okay. At number 464 is Superman owes a billion dollars. That one's also pretty good. That one's pretty good. I don't think it's as good as that one. That one's pretty good. That is like our lowest ranked Silver Age story. Yeah. Superman story. I mean, the, the Turtle Man is a Jimmy Olsen story, so. Uh, I would say this one's not as good as that one. Um. I would say it's not as good as the first Captain Marvel story that we just ranked. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that Superman story is at 464. So Captain Marvel is a bit below that. Uh, at uh, Let's see. I'm looking at... Uh, Let's see here. Uh, we have Invasion of the Bizarro World from Adventure Comics 290 at 603. That has Bizarro Hipster number one in it. Oh, that's pretty good. 
That one's also pretty good. Uh, Armor Wars is probably better than this. I do like Armor Wars. How does this compare to Michael Coverman's strip about Namor being fed up with man? Man, I love that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, just all the things that Namor gets mad at. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's uh, probably not as good as the first appearance of Silver Age Namor in Fantastic Four number four. Not as good as Common Rider versus the 13 Shocker Riders. That one, that story's pretty good. Common Rider kills so many dudes in that story. Oh, okay. At six at number six hundred forty-seven is the mightiest team in the world, in which Superman and Batman team up on a cruise ship. That I like that story. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not as good as it could be. Not as good as it should be. But I like it. That's kind of where this Superman Island story is. Like, it's it's good, but it's kind of you know. By the end of it, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's why there's a Superman Island. Yep. Oh, that's why there's Superman Island. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Let's put it right below that, but above Dirty Cops. All right. Where does that that puts it at six forty eight? It's number six forty eight. Okay. So it's going above Superman Birthright. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it to Mark Wade's face. I probably won't. <laughs> I like Mark Wade. Action Comics number 224. Secret of Superman Island. It's the new number 648. All right, one last comic for us to discuss is Adventure into Fear. Number 17, Wundar, a.k.a. Superman vs. Man-Thing. I have not read it. I've got to look up what this is, because... Is it a Man-Thing story? Uh, yeah, bud. I've read a lot of Man-Thing stories. Oh, this is Man-Thing from the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) No, wait, no, okay. It, maybe it's not. Adventure into fear. I mean, yeah, like, it is exactly what it says. It's Superman versus Man-Thing. Oh, no, this is from the 70s, which means I've probably not read it. Oh, yeah, Wondar is the Superman analog of this story. I'm looking at the... I'm looking at the uh... The credits on this one. I'm looking at the splash page. Uh, Stanley presents Man Thing. Uh, we got Val Merrick, artist, Sal Trapiani, inker, uh, Gene Izzo, letterer, George Russo's co- colorist. Steve uh, Gerber, Roy obviously. Editor. Steve Gerber, always, obviously writing. Steve Gerber, writer with an asterisk. Yeah. This says, with special thanks for inspiration to John Fogarty and Creed and Clearwater Revival. That's you don't need us to rank it. You now know everything you need to know about this comic. <laughs> Steve Gerber listened to Credence and was like, "Yeah, all right, time to write Man Thing." I've read a lot of Man Thing comics. This this one this one I have not. 
Yes, right. You could very easily achieve the goal of reading all the Man Thing comics if you wanted yeah, there to. Are, there aren't that many, right? Aren't that many? Yeah, yeah. You could do it, bud. I probably. I believe in you. Maybe, maybe I should make that a future goal to read every Man Thing comic. What, what do we need on Patreon before you sit down and you become the world's greatest Man Thingologist? <laughs> uh, t- I, if we get to three thousand monthly. I'll read All right. every issue of Man Thing. All right, folks, you, you've heard it. You have your goal. Get that. Get Matt Wilson the Man Thing. I mean, I've read basically. I I think I've read probably every Man Thing comic published since 1990. That's not that many at all. No, <laughs> but I've read That's like five comics, dude. It, no, it's more than that. It's more than yeah. that. J.M. DeMatteis has written more than that alone. All he right. wrote the, uh, was it like, it wasn't a Marvel Knights man thing book, but it was like, it was like a, like a, a side imprint that was like Marvel horror stuff. Ah, oh, what was it? Oh, that may have been the Strange Tales reboot from like 1998 i think it was that had werewolf by night stories and man thing stories yeah i read those send those in somebody i'm just saying i've read all the man thing stories post 1990 that's not all the that's not the majority of man thing stories no i'd have to go back and read a bunch of them from the 70s i've read some from the 70s okay giant size of course of course but i would have to go back and read a bunch from the 70s that's true all right well folks if you want to make that happen the power is in your hands uh all right so joel sent us some backups have we ranked superman for all seasons uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not showing up on the list. Not for me. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we have. So, Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and the late Tim Sale. Uh, probably the best. I mean, definitely the best Loeb and Sale comic. I would say so. I I remember thinking Daredevil Yellow was pretty good. I don't. Uh, I, you know what my problem is with Daredevil Yellow? What's that? I got a problem with Daredevil Yellow and Spider Man Blue. Spider Man Blue is Spider Man sad. Oh, he's sad because he's, he's blue. Sad. And yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: you can you can tell those comics are bad, and you can tell because Spider Man in the Spider Man one makes tape recording and daredevil in the daredevil one writes a letter. That's the frame for those. Now, if you think about that for a second, they should be reversed for sure. They should be reversed. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, and if like both of them had just written letters, it would not have stuck out. But one of them makes tape recording and one of them writes a letter on paper with a pen. What does Bruce Banner do in Hulk Gray? Uh, what's up, YouTube? 
It's your boy. Uh, Hulk smash that like and subscribe. Uh, he goes and talks to Ben Urich, is what he does. Th- that should be what Daredevil does. Yeah. Or actually, it's not even Bruce Banner. It's... No, it is. Oh, it's he's not talking to Ben Urich. He's talking to Doc Samson. Oh, okay. That's the frame. He's, it's not Ben Urich. It's Doc Samson. So it, it, I don't want to. I don't want to intrude on Hulk's therapy session. Well, you are in Hulk Gray. Anyway, that's how you can tell this comic is bad. That's about as far as I as, as I get in those. And then I'm like done. Uh, Superman for all seasons is the best. Superman uh, for all seasons is great, actually. All like, of those concepts. I feel like Jeff Loeb. It's it's it might be his best work. The only reason I say might is because he and Sale also did that Challenges of the Unknown book, which I don't love, but I know a lot of people are like, this is it. Like this is the this is the best. He also wrote Commando. He also wrote Commando, which is his best work in any medium. Yes. Hands down. Yes. Hey Matt, remember um how Arnold in Commando uh told that guy he'd kill him last? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He lied. I lied. Hey, uh, sometimes when I read these Jeff Loeb comics, I don't like them. And I'm like, man, this is making me mad. I should bet off some steam. Commando rules, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, like this, like, I think Jeff Loeb definitely gets Superman more than he gets Batman. For sure, other, other superheroes, other superheroes. Yeah, he doesn't really get the Marvel guys at all. Uh, now I don't, I don't love all of Loeb's work on Superman, but I do think it's like there's an understanding of the character, and and weirdly enough, I feel like Jeff Johns is the same way because I feel like Jeff Johns kind of gets Superman and doesn't really get the rest of the DC characters. Well, if the thing about Johns and Loeb is they approach other characters as having flaws and they f- it's like they focus only on the flaws or they like harp on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the best example of this I can think of, it's actually a Jeff Johns example, is making She-Hulk uncontrollable. Oh, man, because She-Hulk turns into She-Hulk because she's afraid. Yeah. That is among the worst things. It's not the worst, but it's it's up there. Fuck, fuck that idea. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. But, like, they both write Superman as just a good guy. Yeah. When they write a character who is essentially flawless, they're pretty good at it because they don't have to harp on the flaws. They can just write a good guy. Yeah. They kind of like, there is a, (coughs) excuse me. Uh, There is a, there's a cynicism in a lot of their other stuff. I think that comes through like, and I don't think either of those dudes would describe themselves as being cynical writers, but that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, all and, you have to do is read Ultimates 3. 
Yeah. Like, that's a cynical book. Yeah. Billy, that's like Jay Garrick thinking fucking Captain Marvel is a pedophile is cynical. Yeah. I mean, even even just using Loeb examples, like, all of his ultimate universe work is deeply cynical. Ultimatum might be the most cynical comic ever published. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that like, like the thing about Superman for all seasons is that like it, it, it isn't cynical, but it does have that kind of like small personal tragedy stuff. Like it's actually like a really good Lana Lang story about Lana kind of realizing that Superman belongs to the world. Well, one of the best things about Superman for All Seasons is the framing of it. Because we talked about the framing of Spider-Man Blue and Daredevil Yellow and Hulk Gray and how it doesn't work, right? And I think the same can be said of the way the Batman Tim Sale Jeff Loeb stories are presented. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, like bouncing around in the holidays and long Halloween. Like it's a little all over the place, but each book of Superman for all seasons being a different season and being narrated by a different character is pretty clever. Yeah. Cause spring is narrated by Jonathan Kent and it's all about, you know, Clark's childhood and him growing up summer is narrated by Lois Lane and it's about the relationship that she and Clark have with Metropolis, Mm -hmm. which is great. Fall is narrated by Lex Luthor and it's about, you know, their enmity. And then winter is narrated by Lana Lang. And yeah, it's the conclusion is, Superman belongs to the world. He, he, no one can have him. Yeah. Except Lois. <laughs> Except Lois, yeah. Uh, but, but, like, but in this story, it, it doesn't end like that. They're like, you, you know, it's, it's the whole His Girl Friday relationship still. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, Superman also saves the dog in this comic, which is very good. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, he saved his family uh, and saves a bunch of people in Smallville. And then he's like, Where, where's Shelby? And Ma Kent's like, she's gone. And Superman goes and frisky's the dog real quick. Uh, which, again, like, that's that's all you need. Um, I don't know. Like, I know, like, this is a Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale book. And it's, like, a big deal. And I know that, like, DC has treated it as a big deal. I don't know why they don't treat this like Superman year one. Like this should be Batman year one for Superman because it's everything they want, right? It's, it's the superstar writers, the superstar writers, superstar artists, critically acclaimed. Like even I, a hater think this, this story is actually pretty good, but it's not, it's not gritty. Yeah. And, and, it's too like wholesome and old fashioned and DC is obsessed. It has been obsessed for 30 years 
with making Superman gritty and cool. Yeah, I don't get it, man. This this should this is the one. They had it. They've had it for for years. When did this thing come out? Like ninety five? Ninety eight. Ninety eight? Yeah. Like yeah. Buddy, you had it. But like yeah. you know, twelve years later, thirteen years later, they gave Superman a high collar and red eyes. Because that's what they think people want from Superman. It's not. I mean, I think that has been fairly clear. Too many people have said, like, Superman's boring. A character who's just good. So they have to, they keep trying to give Superman an edge. When he should just be a good guy, like in this book. Also, you know, we talked a lot about Jeff Loeb and how, like, the story and the structure of this is actually, like, really good. Uh, great Tim Sale art. Oh yeah, like I like Tim Sale's Batman stuff. Uh, but I, I mean, like I think he's good at drawing Batman. He's way better at drawing Superman. <laughs> it's like, like he's made to draw Superman. I mean, it's just it's near perfect. Yeah, he's like I love because he draws that like big old Superman, like that big yeah. old burly. Like big country boy Clark Kent, yeah, is great. Yeah, like we really like uh, Tim Sale recently passed away, and that's you know that is a shame. Uh, not that old, honestly, but like looking at this book now, it's like oh yeah, like this is like this is great. Like just looking at his art. The, the the splash page in the first issue when Clark goes to Metropolis and like the first thing he does is like there's a kid like on the edge of a building like he's trying to save a cat like why is this kid out here I have no idea but he's about to fall off the building and so Superman saves him and the kid's reaction is, wow, cool costume. And Superman says, thanks, my mom made it for me. And the the big splash page of him saying, my mom made it for me, like, surrounded by the city. There's b- almost no more perfect image in comics. I remember a Wizard Magazine article from, like, 98, 99, talking about, like, the problem with Superman. And they they talked about this scene and how it's bad. They're and that's so when I was like, hey, fuck Wizard Magazine. Yeah. That is what Superman is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that page is, is beautiful. The cover is beautiful. The shot of, of Clark on the farm, uh, like flying with the big tractor in his hand that he's in the pose that's on the cover of Superman number one. Like, that's a great page. Yeah. Like, Tim Sale, man. Like, again, like his Batman stuff. Like his Batman stuff a lot. It, uh, art-wise. I actually really like the way he draws the Joker with, like, 86 teeth or whatever. I think it's fun. Yeah. But, like, he fucking kicked ass at drawing Superman and should have done it way more often. Agreed. Yeah, Superman was the best. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm kind of surprised you and me are, are are 
coming out coming out hard for Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale Superman for all seasons, but damn it, it's pretty good. It's good. Uh, let's rank it because we got to get out of here. All right, all right. Where where are we putting it? Because it, I I think it's better than two creators who I generally like more, like Mark Wade and Lennel Yu. Like I think it's better than than Birthright. Superman yeah, I Birthright. Mean, I think this is going to go like a good bit higher. Yeah, that's at six fifty. Yeah, which is still a good book. I like that book a lot. Uh like let's see. Uh, I think it could go in like the th- the three hundreds or somewhere. Uh, all right. Let's see. At three fifty, we have uh, Annihilation. Yeah, it's pretty good. Which created the modern Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Modern Cosmic Marvel made Cosmic Marvel good again. Yeah. It was. It really was kind of the the cosmic Marvel getting good again after after its weird nineties. Yeah, no joke. It's it's what it was. Um, we have Thor Volume Two, numbers one through twelve, Dark Gods at three fifty four. Boy, that is pretty good, though. That's uh, that's that Jeff Jor- that uh, Dan Jurgen shit. Yeah, boy, we're getting to um, it though. We'll get to it. Um, I think this is better than the first volume of Fables, which is at three sixty four. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. Is it better than that Darwin Cook story, Spider Man Christmas story? Probably. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. That's a good story, though. That's a good comic. Is um, it better than Aztec: The Ultimate Man, numbers one through ten? I mean, it it pains me to say it. Do you have any idea how much it pains me to say this Jeff Loeb comic is better than this Grant Morrison comic? <laughs> but yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, it's probably better than this Thor, that, those 12 issues of Thor, too. Yeah. Is maybe. it better than Dungeons & Dragons numbers 0 through 15? I mean, that's a good book. It's a good book. It's a really good book. Okay, it's not as like I, I just scrolled up a little to see if I could like get a hard ceiling. It's not as good as Secret Wars 2015. Yeah. That comic rules. I'd be willing to believe that it's better than Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest, though. I think it could be better than I think it could be better than the uh Batman the Last Laugh, which is the Mike Barr Allen Davis story with Joker and Catwoman. Okay. But not as good as the Andy Helfer Chris Prowse Two Face story. Uh, Batman I Have the Beholder from Batman Annual 14. All right, this would put it at the new number 349. Yeah, that's a good comic. Hey, man, Superman for All Seasons is pretty good. Yeah, amazing art. Like, unbelievably good art. Uh, One of a number of comics artists we lost in 2022, Tim Sale. Yeah. It was a hard year. Rough year for comics artists. And uh, good ones, too. Like, really good ones. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to send us 
and every story ever list. You can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. This show is made possible by the support of listeners on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax to kick in as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we do this special every month and that it's two hours long, that we do the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, that we do comics catch-up, that we do uh, movie fighters and snack situation. All of those things are made possible by your support on Patreon. So help us out there if you can. If you can't, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run place for all kinds of War Rocket Ajax information. WarRocketAjax.com is our website with all of our episodes. You can hit us up on Tumblr, WarRocketPodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter at WarRocketPod. We have a Discord that you have to be invited to be a member of, so just ask us for an invitation and we'll give you one. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to MattDWilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, and my social media accounts. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find all my stuff by going to the-isb.com. That has uh, links to everything that I do. We went a little over, so that's your special bonus for getting this special late. Uh, we'll be back with a regular Ajax on Monday. We're going to do Comics Catch-Up real soon. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody. We love you. We love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yeah! From this day on, as every breed of mongrel lived together.